This is Menagerie. While I was working on this episode, we had a loss in my family. My parents' dog, Buster, died. We've lost a, a fair share of pets in my house. There were goldfish that didn't even make it home from the county fair, hamsters that lived short, mean lives, rats that developed tumors seemingly overnight. Losing Buster, though, that was a rough one. He was a huge dog with a massive bark and an even bigger sissy. Despite being too large to fit in a recliner, he was determined to be a lap dog, even if he was also destined to be about a hundred pounds of lap dog. The loss of a pet is like the loss of most family members. Even when it's expected or predictable, it's not something you can really prepare for. I promise though, this episode is not all about dead pets. Just stick with me. You still there? Good. Because this is your reminder that some animals have lifespans that dwarf those of humans. When humans make pets of these animals, they can outlive their masters. Sometimes they outlive a couple. Such is the case of Timothy the tortoise. We don't know precisely when Timothy was born, but his life as a pet began in 1854, when he was probably about 10 years old. That might seem old for an animal to make the transition from wild to domestic, but at a decade old, Timothy, a Mediterranean spur-thighed tortoise, had only just reached maturity. Under his first owner, Captain John Guy Courtenay Everard, Timothy was less a pet and more a mascot, living on a succession of naval ships. His first recorded tour of duty took place during the Crimean War, making for a military career forged in the heat of battle. Timothy took part in the Siege of Sevastopol on board the HMS Queen, a ship that caught fire no less than four times during the months-long bombardment. This round of combat duty would have made him eligible for a Crimean War Medal from the Royal Navy, though out of modesty, he never applied for it. Granted, it's unlikely his contributions to the war effort were remarkable. Tortoises, after all, are renowned for their defensive traits, not their offensive capabilities. Still, it's hard to argue Timothy was any less deserving of the honor than its final recipient, a baby born during the siege who claimed the medal nearly 50 years later. Timothy's naval career spanned four decades, and in that time he saw service on ships from the Black Sea to the East Indies to Hong Kong, and finally back in England, where his 38 years as a member of the Royal Navy came to an end. Thus began a retirement that most humans would envy, not least for its duration of more than a century. In 1892, Timothy passed to his second owner, Captain Edward Rutherford, and made his first home on land in the Hampshire village of Itchin Abbas. And before you ask, no, I do not know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I am probably not. At Itchin Abbas, Timothy was handed off from Edward into the care of his sister-in-law, Harriet Rutherford. But this village was just the first of several stops Timothy made on a tour of England's idyllic southern coast. 
Shortly before the First World War, Timothy came to live with the Earls of Devon. First, in the village of Honiton, a tranquil and pleasant destination just north of the exceptionally British-sounding East Devon area of outstanding natural beauty. At some point, someone, and no one will fess up as to who, carved into the bottom of Timothy's shell the family motto of the Earls of Devon, Ubi Lapsus Quid Feci, or Where Have I Fallen? What Have I Done? If Timothy was bothered by being inscribed with such a plaintive maxim, it is not recorded. An admirable demonstration of the famed stiff upper lip of British nobility, if there ever was one. Later, Timothy would move along with the rest of the family to Powderham Castle, whose gardens would be his final home. The stalwart tortoise would see the family through troubled times, including a pair of world wars, the deaths of seven earls of Devon, three of whom died in the span of just a few years, and the reduction of the family's holdings to less than a tenth of their traditional size. In 1926, Timothy joined the Earl of Devon on a brief day trip to the London Zoological Society for a routine physical. That examination revealed that Timothy was actually a female tortoise, a revelation that would go largely ignored by the family. For his remaining 80 years, Timothy would continue to take the male pronoun. The issue remained uncommented on in polite company. Perhaps unwilling to risk further unwelcome insights, the day trip would be Timothy's last foray into the modern world. What little health care the tortoise needed was provided on site, including once spoonfuls of castor oil administered after the reptile became inebriated on azalea blossoms. Timothy was no boo-sound, though. Whether out of revulsion to the results or simple embarrassment, there exists just the single record of Timothy getting drunk. This is, perhaps, because Timothy had few worries to drink away. If tortoises have a conception of heaven, it probably looks pretty close to the garden at Powderham. Dandelions and azaleas dotted the greenery, while humans, delighted by the novelty of a roaming tortoise, regularly offered treats like lettuce leaves and strawberries. Groundskeepers provided regular buffets of petals clipped from the estate's roses, and a looming wisteria provided just the sort of cover tortoises prefer to hibernate under in the winter. Come spring, Timothy would awake from under a bed of flowers and resume a life of leisure. There are, it bears saying, worse gigs. Powderham Castle owes the beauty of its gardens, at least in part, to its location near England's southern shore, a region known as the English Riviera. The same pleasantly warm microclimate that makes the area a popular destination for vacationing Brits made it an ideal home for Timothy. These surroundings likely contributed to a longevity remarkable even among notoriously long-lived tortoises. The climate of Devon also provided a defense of sorts for Powderham during the Second World War. Though the nearby city of Exeter was devastated during the bombing campaigns, the castle itself was largely spared. As it turns out, Hitler had visited the site during peacetime and become rather taken with it. The Fuhrer wanted Powderham Castle for a vacation home following his planned conquest of England, 
and had it declared off-limits to bombing runs. There exists no record of what, if anything, the Fuhrer planned to do with the resident tortoise. Like any good Navy man, though, Timothy was intent on showing solidarity with Britain suffering through the worst of the Blitz. During the war, the tortoise abandoned his usual hibernation spot underneath the wisteria flowers. Instead, he dug a tortoise-sized air raid shelter beneath the garden's stone steps. While the war failed to change life at the castle, its aftermath did. The Earls of Devon, like so many old noble families, were forced to adjust their lifestyles and sell off lands in a modern era where lords and ladies were simply less in demand. In 1960, after brief and unsuccessful forays as a hotel and a school for domestic sciences, Powderham Castle opened to the public as a tourist attraction. Today, you can tour the estate and even buy season passes for events like jack-o'-lantern carving, Christmas wreath-making, and something described only as deer rut safari and cream tea. I'm going to go ahead and let you use your imagination on that one. In the 70s, the sprawling estate would become a music venue of some renown, hosting classical concerts and pop shows alike. Among the staff that joined Powderham during this time was a groundskeeper who shared a name with the estate's oldest resident. The new hire was referred to by the rest of the staff as Human Timothy, a practice that, though effective in preventing confusion, must have been hard not to take personally. While the garden was off-limits to concertgoers, it was deemed necessary to provide stray visitors with helpful advice should they encounter Timothy. A piece of twine was run through a hole in his shell, and a small note card attached to it. Hello, my name is Timothy, read the introduction on one side. The other delivered a simple but important instruction. I am very old. Please do not pick me up. It was a handy reminder for the uninitiated, but it also seems like the sort of graffiti, think a family motto, for instance, that people can't help but scribble on things that they know will be around longer than they are. Even very old tortoises are destined to come to an end, though. In 2004, at the age of somewhere around 160 years, Timothy passed away. The oldest veteran of the Crimean War was buried without military honors. As he had for nearly a century of winters, and after touching countless lives, Timothy entered the ground beneath Powderham's wisteria one last time. Menagerie is written and produced by Ian Chant. That's me. The theme music is O Susquehanna by Defiance Ohio from their album The Great Depression. If you like today's show, you can follow Menagerie on Twitter. We're menagerie underscore pod. You can also subscribe to the show on Stitcher and iTunes. And if you do listen on iTunes, be a buddy. Rate and review the show. Only takes a second, and it really helps other people find us. We'll be back next month with a new story. Until then, thanks for listening.